This is Industrial Enablement, a Click.io podcast created to inspire B2B sales and marketing leaders navigating digital transformation. I'm your host, Dave Carr, and on this show, we'll share actionable insights to build winning digital strategies and deliver better sales results with your customers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Industrial Enablement. Glad to be with you guys today, and we're actually going to take a very different approach to the podcast today. Uh, I actually am going to provide some excerpts from a podcast that I was recently a guest on uh, with a gentleman named Josh Wagner. And Josh is the head of partnerships at a company called LeadMD. And LeadMD is a leading marketing consulting provider for companies in the B2B space. If you are looking to implement marketing automation, CRM, sales enablement, business BI tools, any of those digital type investments, LeadMD can be a really great partner for you. So if you're interested in them, you can go check them out. Josh's new podcast is going to be called Love Selling Hate Sales, and it will be launching soon. So if you're interested to get the entire conversation that I've had with Josh, I would certainly recommend checking that out as well. So what I'm going to do is take a couple of the key concepts that Josh and I touched on and give them here in our podcast for all of our listeners to enjoy as well. So in our discussion, I focused heavily on concepts from our latest ebook, The 2020 Roadmap for Digital Sales and Marketing Success. Uh, It's an ebook written specifically for B2B industrial firms. So in that ebook, I talk about six key concepts for evolving digitally and helping to align your sales and marketing efforts to get the most value from digital investments. So I'm going to take a couple of the concepts that we touched on there, provide them here for everyone as listeners. And if you're interested to learn more about any of this content, I will put a link to the ebook in the show notes. You're able to download that. It's a free download and you can dive deeper into the topics. So to not waste any more time, let's hop into the content. I'm going to punch us in where Josh and I are having a conversation about the need to drive better sales and marketing alignment. Let's go. So the the view that I look at marketing is is through the perspective of, of sales. And like your, yourself, there's not a lot of us out there, especially when you're looking in the B2B world. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think there's such a divide still right now between between sales and marketing. But I think one of the things I want to talk about today is just sort of what are the things that are bringing those barriers down? Yeah. And why is it so important that you bring those, those two functions together? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting that you say that. We just a, a week ago, I was in Chicago conducting a workshop on sales and marketing alignment. And one of those key tips and takeaways that you ask people to think about is, is what I call the ride along. Mm-hmm. And that's just putting yourself in one another's shoes. So as a marketer, you know, get on some calls with sellers, go out in the field, do what it is. You have that inherently, you know, based on your background. But talk to me a little bit about leveraging your experience now that you're in marketing and leading a marketing team. How can that trickle down to your team so that they have more empathy for what it's like to be on the other side? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I think that the place you always have to start with that is really viewing marketing as the voice of the customer in the organization. So getting uncomfortably close in many cases to the customer and understanding your ideal customer profile. Um, 
you know, for instance, and I'll, I'll just give you an example from the role I'm, I'm in now. Um, you know, as I mentioned, had, had led sales and marketing in a number of different industrial uh, right. organizations. Uh, now I'm leading marketing in, in a SaaS-based software company. And, and right. the, product, the product we provide literally brings sales and, and marketing together. And I, I love think, that. And yeah, and I think what we're, we're really finding is that, you know, getting back to the whole um, concept of eliminating those barriers and bringing the two functions together, you need digital tools to help do that. But even more importantly, you need process. And right. I think that at a just rudimentary level, you have to stop from an organizational standpoint and start thinking about how do we put those two groups together? And I think one of the most common ways to do that is just simply to give marketing a seat at the executive table. Mm-hmm. Um, I just published a, a new ebook and I'll, I'll give you a link that you can put Please. in the show notes here. Uh, but it's a 2020 roadmap for digital sales and, and marketing um, for industrial. And, and one of the things that I talk about in the ebook uh, is the importance of having executive alignment between marketing and sales so that it's not just something that's talked about, it's actually implemented and, and operationalized. Um, and to your point, you know, going back to the ride-alongs, really spending time to understand what a day in the life is for salespeople, understanding what are customers engaging with so that marketing can create better content, more useful content, and then giving sales a way to take that content and, and blend that in their conversations. And, you know, I'm sure you've probably talked about this too, but, you know, customers don't just want salespeople now, they want trusted right. advisors. That's a, that's a word I use a lot is, is you got to be a trusted advisor and to Love be that. that advisor, you have to be bringing value in every one of those touch points. I couldn't agree more. And I want to revisit something that you touched on, which was the, the executive alignment piece, because in my view, and I'd love to get your take on this, is C-suite executives, specifically the CEO, the CFO and whatnot, they get sales. Sales is tangible. Right. And oftentimes they don't get marketing. Yep. Right. So what do marketing leaders need to do to bridge that gap and to start to speak like the rest of the C-suite to earn that seat at the revenue table? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, there's, there's going to be a lot to unpack there, but I think one of the most fundamental things you have to do is start understanding where marketing can bring value throughout mm-hmm. every one of those touch points. And I think it begins with bringing value to sales. Um, you know, B2B companies just in general are much more sales focused, right? I mean, that's right, the, right. the revenue generator engine. Uh, it's, it's where you're going to see real tangible outcome. But if you look at the data, modern buyers are spending 70% of their buying journey doing research before they ever even interact with a salesperson. 100%. So that's marketing, right? Like that's right. the top of the funnel. So if, if marketers can focus on bringing value at the top of that funnel by creating good content, creating processes by which they distribute good content to salespeople right. to use in their interactions, I think that's where you can take and, and operationalize those activities. But you also got to focus on metrics, you know, and mm-hmm. I think it, it's, it's more than the vanity metrics of, hey, here's how many vol- followers we have on, on LinkedIn or shares and impressions. I mean, those things are important. Sure. How are you building pipeline and, and how are the customers going through that journey and being handed to sales and, and empowered for the salesperson to have a better conversation? And, and I think that's where you begin to, to get the, 
credibility and the recognition at the executive table is marketing has to be viewed as a revenue generator. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I wonder, you mentioned very early on in your introduction about launching things like CRM and marketing automation in previous roles. Were those things enablers for you to help have those better conversations? They are, yeah, because it makes things tangible, right? So if, if you are trying to run your business without a CRM system, I right. mean, I can't help you, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Like, you, you have to start somewhere. And, and I even talk about this in the ebook. Uh, that's the foundation. You, you have to get a functional CRM process in place. And I think where a lot of companies go wrong with that is they try to, they try to overcomplicate it or they, they try to make it too much right. you know, management tool. But, but there's so many options now with, with things like Einstein from sure. you know, salesforce.com where you're using artificial intelligence and automation to, to make CRM easier. But you've just got to have a central repository for your data. And right. so you begin to build that with CRM. Marketing builds upon that with marketing automation because if you have those two systems well connected, you're gleaning insights, you're understanding that customer journey, you're managing that 70% of the, the buying function that happens before someone ever talks to sales. And then if you use tools like sales enablement, you take that all the way down to the sales conversation where you're right. still using data, you're uh, empowering salespeople with, with insights and, and analytics, and you can report that. And again, back to the KPIs, you have to be able to measure it. Yeah. So, you know, this, this podcast is, is called Love Selling, Hate Sales for a Reason. And it's really about the, the dichotomy of the, the relationships with the metrics, Right. right. And, and you started to get into that a little bit when you're talking about CRM as a management tool and data and content and all these types of things. How can this world of, you called it sales enablement maybe, or maybe it's something else, but how can we bridge that gap? Right. And, and it is that a sales management versus sales conversation? Is it a sales marketing conversation? How can we accurately reflect the value of relationship building in a metrics way. I think that's a tough thing to do. What, yeah. what are you seeing? Yeah, that's, that is a tough question. And I think that the devil is always in the details, right? I mean, and, and, and I recently heard, I was listening to a podcast uh, with the CEO of Whitespace and she was mm -hmm. talking about, you know, complexity is almost enticing or complex organizations or B2B organizations, right? So if you're right. making something more complex, it must be better, but that's right. not always the case. And I think that the, the key is starting small and beginning to focus on not just the metrics, but, but what are just the operational outcomes that are going to lead to ultimately what we want, which is converted sales. So I, like, I like to use the example of the Peloton, right? So okay. buying a Peloton is not going to make you lose weight. But the process, if you follow it, of getting onto it and, and being consistent. And I think that's another thing that businesses miss a lot is they're not consistent. They give up too soon, right? We try to put in CRM and holy crap, it, it sucks and it, right. it's hard and we want to abandon it and, and start all over. But it's, it's being mindful, taking small steps and being consistent to drive those outcomes. A CRM system itself is not going to make you grow your business. Correct. It's the operations that you put in with your sales team and the expectations they have to follow a process. Right. Uh, you can make that pro process too complex if you're, if you're not careful. So I think it's, it's starting small and, and being rational. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? 
not not overcomplicating things and using a, a practical mindset. How about that? <laughs> Interesting. Well, you know, the topic of vanity metrics is an interesting one. You know, you mentioned it in terms of opens and clicks and things like that. Is there a case to be made? And I'm trying not to make this question too leading, but is there a case to be made for vanity metrics and sales? So, okay. Interesting. Uh, one of the things about vanity metrics, when you, when you look at them by themselves, Hey, there's not a ton of value there, but I think one interesting thing about vanity metrics is that they are typically leading indicators. So mm-hmm. let's just say, for instance, if if you're trying to get, you know, a, a new business off the ground and you're you're just putting in place social media strategy or digital communications, you're not just going to flip a light switch and see results day one, right? right? But you can start to look at things like what's your click through rate you know how, how are, what's your email open rate what are the conversions out of that how many leads are going to mql how many mqls to sql so right. those things i think are the leading indicators to show how progress is is going right and right. ultimately where you want to get so if you live on vanity metrics alone hey you're not you're not going to get too far you got you got to ultimately sure. drive it but again i get back to it's the process it, it's it's being mindful about what you're doing and sooner or later, statistics takes over, right? If right. you make 50 sales calls a week right. and you do that consistently, sooner or later, you're going to drive an outcome. Now, granted, sure. you may not be doing things right. And I think that's, again, where people get hung <laughs> up. Like they think they have to do everything perfect. Right. Just start somewhere. Like one is better than zero, right? So do yeah. something. And then as you go, then you can refine. I think too many people come out of the gate and try to make their sales process perfect, or they try to make sure. their marketing automation implementation perfect, CRM perfect. It's it's a journey. It's not an event. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting concept, and I and I, I like where you're going with this van- use of vanity metrics as a starting point to start to gather data and drive outcomes. So, if we go back to the concept of marketing and sales misalignment, uh, whether it's at the executive level or at the field level, mm-hmm. right? One of the things that I like to talk about is creating a common language. And maybe, and this is a concept I hadn't really thought about before, but maybe creating a common language across some of those leading indicator metrics that you talked about. Are we connecting the opens, the clicks, the engagement to the sales activity, the, the calls, the emails, the, you know, whatever those are. I don't know that that's a thing that happens very often, but yeah. maybe that would help to bridge that gap as well. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's what uh, most people are trying to figure out right now. Um, yeah. And I think that what we're going to see over the next couple of years is really where AI starts to play into that and where automation mm-hmm. starts to play into that. No, um, because for instance, I mean, you know, hey, just data sitting alone in a CRM. I mean, how many salespeople do you know that actively log into CRM just to see what a click-through rate was, right? Or ju- just want to see, you know, how is my pipeline trending over the past 30, 60 days? Now, I mean, you're really, really sharp salespeople or those that are more analytical. Yeah, yeah maybe. Ultimately, salespeople don't want to sit around and look at a bunch of charts. They want to go sell, right? It's true. So how we as marketers and we as sales and marketing leaders right. start to figure out ways to, to automate those kind of things so that instead of bringing salespeople a bunch of data that they aren't going to have time to consume, you just bring them ways to drive an outcome. 
And, and yeah. so I'll, I'll mention, you know, and this is, I guess, a little shameless plug for us, but yeah, please. some of the things that we're doing with our platform. So we're, we're figuring out, you know, what content really works well in a sales conversation at a certain stage in the buying cycle. And if that shows consistent uh, results, why can't we recommend that to other salespeople to use that same content at a given time with a certain qualified type of buyer to help them drive a better outcome. And, you know, and I think that that differs a lot. And I, and I talk about this in the ebook as well, between those that are really legacy sales teams and those that may have really, um, you know, newer sales reps that maybe right. are learning the ropes, you know, for the newer sales reps, I mean, Hey, anything you can give them to ramp up quicker or learn faster. That's I love great. it. Yeah. Exactly. And, but even for the, the older sales reps and the more legacy reps, like, Hey, you don't need to tell them how to sell. They know how to sell, right? Sure. You can give them things to just make their life easier. Yeah. And eliminate them from having to spend two or three hours a week putting together sales presentations and, and you just give them a way to, to click one button and it already brings them everything they need in one view so they can go have that conversation with a customer. That's a win, right? And yeah. you're becoming more efficient and you're making more uh, or, or better use of, of their time. Yeah, I like that. So I'm going to get your reaction to this. We had a consultant one time that told me describing sales enablement as the connective tissue between sales and marketing. What's your reaction to that term as a description? I think that's a, a great way to put it. And, and it, it's, it's not only the tissue that connects the two. Um, again, getting back to thinking operationally, it's right. a way that you can actively bridge the gap because you're not just creating charts and graphs and, and PowerPoint to say, this right. is how we're going to structure our team. You are giving them that actual tools that will bring those, those two functions together. Um, and I think we're still really early on in the infancy of understanding how much sales enablement is going to impact B2B businesses over the next two, three, five years. Um, because I think if I'm going to make a prediction here, I'm, I'm going to say that we have no clue how much AI is going to revolutionize the way right. we operate. And, and that's not just sales enablement. That's so many things in general. Um, but yeah, I mean, sales enablement exists to, to make those two functions of the business play nice. And, and again, if you look at the modern buyer journey, right. they have to, it's no longer a choice. You, you have to, think in a way that, that puts sales and marketing on a team to drive outcome. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned a couple of times operational efficiency, operational excellence and process, right. As things that help bring these areas together and speaking from the, the, the hate sales side of, of this equation, that's stuff that sellers hate in a lot of cases, right. I'm sure there are outliers. So, right. Do you see sales enablement as a function to take that burden off of sales or is it something different? Well, I think that it's like with anything, you know, and I go back to the Peloton example, it, mm -hmm. it's in how you use it, right? And, and a lot of that, it depends on how you set your strategy up with, with your sales team. Um, I think that one thing organizations do wrong in many cases is trying to do too much of the wrong things. Right. So again, if we're, if we're trying to measure you know, metrics just on, Hey, I, I want to know how many times you got in the tool and I want to know how many presentations you're creating. You're looking at the wrong stuff, right? You right. want to look at what are those out, those outcomes that you're going to drive. Um, so I think a lot of times uh, how sellers view 
a tool like sales enablement is directly correlated with how much thought process did an organization organization put into the deployment of that tool. Right. If you just pick the tool and you threw a bunch of crap into it and you throw it out to your sales team and say, Hey, go use it. You're, you're going to fail. Yeah. Don't buy sales enablement. I, you could spend your money For better sure. somewhere else. But if you take the time to understand how are my sellers actually going through a sales process with a client? What are the value added steps in that? And how can I make this more of a tool that, that brings efficiency rather than burden? That's where you went. And, and you can say the same thing about CRM as well, because I think that's another challenge people get into. It's, you know, death by managerial tool rather than actually using it to, to create value. Yeah. I mean, you're speaking my language hundred percent. Our business frankly exists to make sure that technology is deployed, you know, marketing automation, CRM, sales enablement, is deployed to enable the go-to-market strategies of the business. Yep. Not just deployed to plug it in and go, but deployed as an enablement function, mm-hmm. you know, and, and really bring those things to light. And I think one of the areas where people get go sideways is being a little reactionary mm-hmm. and just taking the advice of your top sales rep. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to John, he's been the top producer for the last five years. How would he use it mm-hmm. without taking into consideration that's one individual or, you know, ops wants it to be done this way or marketing wants it to be done this way. And really having that productive sit down, like you said, cross-functionally to think about what is the process that supports everyone in the day-to-day, not that one individual, because it's, it's, it's a little bit different. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that, Josh. And I think one other thing too is businesses have to be realistic in where they are on the journey of digitalization and on the journey of using selling tools. Um, Mary Shea is an analyst at, at Forrester Research and she's put out a lot of good information on, on sales enablement and sort of what that journey looks like. Um, she shared something uh, just this week on LinkedIn that really showed a good infographic of what does that continuum of, of right. that digital selling uh, transition look like. And she defines sort of four big things. You know, you, you can be either in the status quo, which is, you know, hey, it's a battle to even get our sellers to use CRM. You know, awareness is, hey, we're, we're evaluating some modern sales tools. We're kind of thinking about putting things in place. Um, then the next step is modernization where, hey, we've actively rolled out sales enablement or marketing automation or other tools that kind of build into that journey. And then the final is immersion, which is, you know, our sellers have a modern sales enablement tool set. We have processes in place. You know, they're the the thought leaders. If you're in quadrant one, you can't start acting like you're in four. And I I think that's where a lot of organizations go wrong is they try to do too much too soon, or they think that just buying a piece of software is going to fix a problem that they have that, that really underlies organizationally. Um, trying to make people digitally evolve too quickly can kill the patient on the table. And, and I will tell you, having run marketing for an 88-year-old family-owned business that yeah. in a lot of ways was still very legacy, no matter how much executive teams want to talk about, hey, we, we want to do things different, we want to be digital, uh, you can move too quick. And I say that from, from my perspective of, of making mistakes too. And I think that that's another thing. If I was saying something to your listeners, you know, don't be afraid to make mistakes. And, and no one is going to get it right on the first try. Great advice. Uh, 
but you definitely have to be aware of where are you in that continuum to start thinking about things that are actually going to make an impact and not just freak people out. Love that concept of maturity. And it makes me think how self-aware are the people within organizations? You had mentioned to me in prep that, you know, you're selling into a manufacturing type of environment, right? For the most part, like that's a niche you all specialize in. And we have some of that in our business. And we also have some of the, you know, B2B SaaS, high growth, hyper growth, San Francisco Bay area type of stuff. And those are two very different worlds in terms of expectations, maturity, and you know, how fast they're going to move. So just back to the question, how self-aware do you think organizations and people with those organizations are around their maturity and how that impacts how quickly they can move in some of these types of things? I think it's a continuum. Um, I mean, now granted, if, if you're working in SaaS, and, and this is something I'm, I'm seeing because this is my first experience in SaaS, yeah. most SaaS companies are, are very adaptive. I mean, you, you, no one has to convince a SaaS company that they need CRM. Right. If you're having to do that, your company's not going to be around long. Yeah. yeah. Great point. So I think that inherently, you know, that segment is more adaptive because you have to be to, to survive. Right. From an industrial standpoint, it's difficult because, you know, right, wrong or indifferent industrial manufacturing distribution, fill in the blank is typically almost a decade behind folks like SAS. Right. And, you may have those who are very self-aware. You may have those that aren't self-aware. You may have those that really think, hey, we're going to be digital and we're going to do all these great things. But you have one person at the top of the organization that thinks that. And then one step down from there, nobody else is on the same page. So it's deceiving. You know, you, you may have an organization that Everything they say is, you know, we're, we're going to be a leader in, in innovation. We're going to be a leader in IoT technology, whatever it is. But if you don't have those teams and those operational processes, you, you have to stop and, and be aware. And if you're not, you're going to realize that you're going to, you're going to fail pretty quickly. Um, so, again, I, I mean, I don't know that there's any one right answer to that, yeah. but, but I do think it, it is important to really stop and think about where you sit in those four different levels that I, that I mentioned. And not only what do I think about that, if I'm speaking from a leadership standpoint, yeah. but what do my middle managers think about that? What do my field sales reps think about that? And I would encourage anyone considering digital transformation to really spend a lot of time there, uh, communicate often, communicate early, listen, and really take small measurable steps to change rather than one giant leap of. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's a a good actual, a tip and a takeaway that we can give to sellers actually. So think about what you just said in terms of that one person who's thinks they're leading the charge for digital transformation within an organization and you're someone and you're a seller going in to sell that company, right? You, you, you have the, inside track to your solution as a part of digital transformation, whether it's sales enablement, CRM, uh, anything, right? But all those different layers within the organization that you have to peel back, you may have found that champion, but that champion may be faced with so many different hurdles to put, to put that vision into reality. And that's your job as a seller then to help coordinate and quarterback how to educate, 
how to bring people together, how to do all that stuff. And that's where I think where sellers can have the most impact in that type of digital transformation world is thinking about all those dynamics and not just thinking, oh, I found the champion. This is this is a done deal and drive them into submission. Like there are other other forces at play. That is incredibly wise, Josh. And, and we see that every day. Um, you know, especially if you're selling into enterprise organizations, mm-hmm. there are always going to be a handful of people at the decision-making table. Um, and, and I'll go back to that comment I made earlier about being a trusted advisor. Uh, Perfect. You, you have to be that, right? And it's not, you know, beating one person over the head to, to buy your solution. It's yep. bringing value and navigating the dynamics of a wide variety of people at the buying table. Um, and one other thing, I know I keep going back to, to data in, this, in our ebook, but there, there's one thing I touch on in, in the content around the fact that we now have more millennials at the buying table sure we've ever had i mean there's incredibly high percentages and i can't remember the exact statistic but it's between 60 and 70 percent of wow. the group of individuals that are now evaluating a solution are a part of the millennial <laughs> demographic so right wrong or indifferent and i can say this because i was born in 1982 so i'm either the <laughs> oldest uh millennial on the planet or the youngest gen x or however you want to classify you it. and me both man i was right. 80 i can't figure out where i live i feel like i'm in no man's land I think they call us the Oregon Trail generation because it's this <laughs> weird subsegment. Your, your, family, it, it, your family died of dysentery? <laughs> exactly right. And if, and if you're listening to this and you laughed at that, like you, you're part of that generation. If you have no idea what we're talking about, you're, you're, you're not. <laughs> right? So, fantastic. So, but millennials think different. They think different. They buy different. And I go back to that, you know, 70% of that buying journey happens before a salesperson ever even comes into view. So you you just, you have to be a trusted advisor. Well, that wraps up my conversation with Josh. I hope everyone listening enjoyed the content and took away some actionable insights. Uh, If you want to do more research on LeadMD, you can look them up. It's just L-E-A-D, the letters M-D. Dot com, so you can check them out. And if you want to find Josh on LinkedIn, it's just Josh Wagner, W-A-G-N-E-R. He is the head of partnerships for LeadMD. So make sure you go connect with him, start a conversation. He puts out a, a ton of great content all the time, uh, specifically talking to sales and marketing leaders about industry best practices. So make sure you connect with him. If you are interested to learn more about Click and our sales enablement solution, I will put a link in the show notes to reach out and connect with us. If you want to schedule a demo or learn more about our platform, you can do so there. And the final note, if you are enjoying this content and you like the podcast, make sure to hit that subscribe button, stay in touch and get our new feeds and give us a good rating. If you're listening on the Apple Podcast Store, Google Play or Spotify, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks for listening and I look forward to connecting with you again on the next episode.